hello out there, whoever you are listening on today. Um, I don't know if you've ever watched Family Feud with Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey usually starts the show out by saying, we have a good one for you today, folks. That's exactly how I feel on today. Um, as always, um, I encourage you keep on sending the feedback. Uh, the topics that I do are topics that I've been given by other people. And the topic for today is on the Holy Ghost. Who or what is it? Um, this is going to be a topic that um, may not be what you're used to hearing. And for some, it may be uh, close, but not exactly. And for some, this may be the first time of you hearing it. But as always, we're going to discuss Whatever the topic may be, from a biblical perspective, we can't go by what your church doctrine is. We can't go by um, what you were taught growing up. We can't even go by what you feel is right. And we most definitely can't go by um, what we think, but there's no biblical proof for it. And um, that's one of the things, the whole purpose is for doing this. Um, I do believe as time goes on, especially within the next few years, we will not be able to freely preach and teach and read our Bibles in the freedom uh freely how we do right now. That's one of the reasons that I'm even doing this. Um, the better understanding that people have of these certain topics the more effective of a Christian or believer that people will be during the time of these hardships that are getting ready to come. Um, those of you who know me personally, I don't even care about, you know, the spotlight. I'm not trying to get likes. I'm not trying to uh, gain popularity from this. I enjoy... Um, Actually, I enjoy my alone time. I like uh, the comfort of being by myself, you know, visiting, seeing people, and then go back in my little hole. I'm okay with that. But um, I'm doing this out of obedience from God because God has shown me where we're headed, what is getting ready to happen. And uh, so far, each topic that I've been asked, they're important questions, they're important topics. And the Bible um, states that above all things we need understanding. And um, that's exactly what this whole podcast is about. So feel free to share it with anybody. You don't have to ask permission to do that. Um, oh, one other thing. Um, this, I, I don't know, starting out, I, my intentions was to do 30 minutes of each one of these topics I didn't want to spend a long time doing it and I still don't plan on doing it but I just figured it'd be wise for me to state that you know there are a lot of things that may be necessary for me to go a little bit over and so I just let God use me in that area as we'll do it uh, my intentions was if it goes past 30 minutes to just do a part two of the topic and go deeper into it and, and just depending on what the topic is I may do that but for certain topics I may go a little bit over 30 and don't worry about making a part 2 of it so 
I'm saying it just um, to make it known. So that makes the whole title of this <laughs> kind of go away. But I'm not going to go through trouble changing the title. Um, because as I said, some of them will be about 30 minutes. And some of them may be a little bit longer. But we'll let God decide how that goes. Um, and we're going to get into this topic. Oh, one last thing. Don't forget, if you do have uh, any comments, if you have a topic that you want um, want me to discuss, you want us to um, study, or if you want the notes from one of the topics on one of the episodes that we've done, email me at thebest30minutes at gmail.com, and you have to use the number three zero. You can't spell it out. And the word minutes is fully spelled out. Um, so the best 30 minutes at gmail.com and I can email you the notes or also if you just have a Bible topic or just a topic in general and you want to know how it relates to the Bible, feel free to do so. All right. So we're going to discuss the Holy Ghost, who or what it is. All right. So the first thing that I want to point out is. Sometimes you hear people say the Holy Ghost. Sometimes you hear people say the Holy Spirit. And the word ghost simply just means spirit. So when somebody say the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, you basically referring to the same thing. Okay. Um, something that is just as important as understanding that is this. If you understand what I'm about to get ready and say, then... This right here is going to be the foundation of you getting a good understanding of what the Holy Spirit, um, or not what, but who the Holy Spirit really is. The Holy Spirit is not a thing. The Holy Spirit is actually a person, a being of God. And I have to catch myself as well because we've all been taught and trained that for so long that it seems weird to say who instead of it. But the Holy Spirit is not a thing. The Holy Spirit is actually a person of God. And so I, I want to pause for a second and, and say this because a lot of these topics that um, I've addressed and have done in these episodes and I've given you the biblical proof for them, it's not that I know everything about the Bible. Let me first say that some of these things, um, it took me years before God had to sit me down and I had to start over and read the Bible from the beginning because I was just going off of what I was taught. And I was taught, you know, um, from somebody who was taught something and that person was taught something and nobody took the time to just really read and pray on their own and get the understanding. And that's one of the things that God had me to do. Aside from that, um, God had me to go back to school um, and I got the, uh, associate degree in divinity and, um, now one class away from the bachelor's degree in divinity, but it's not even about even that, as I said, it's more about the Holy Spirit, um, leading you. It's about reading it for yourself. You don't really have to go to school, um, for that understanding it's really about reading it for yourself and allowing the Holy Spirit to give you that understanding but the problem is a lot of times what we've already been taught 
um, gets in the way of our understanding. And so what we have to do is almost unlearn a lot of what we've been taught and read as if we weren't taught anything at all. And I will say this, and I can't go deep into this. I have to put this on another topic. As a matter of fact, um, that's a lesson that I've got coming up dealing with angels and demons. Um, some of the revelation that I have got, um, I've had encounters with angelic beings in my house. My family um, has been in the midst of some of those. And that is also where some of the revelation that I have has come from. So I just want to point that out. That it's not that I'm all knowing and that I'm so smart. Um, also in scripture, the Bible tells us there's a situation where Daniel and was praying. And he wanted to know some information. And God basically told him that he wasn't going to get that information because some of it um, was to be saved to the last generation because that's the generation it applies to. So um, some things we just know right now and it makes sense um, because they apply to our generation. All right. But nevertheless, we're back on the topic of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person and it's not a thing. And the reason why uh, you know this, and I, like as I said, I can't just go off of um, what I think and what I see, what I was told or what I was dreamed. This is how a lot of false religions are started. I see people all the time, um, they're going off of things that somebody told them or an angelic being told them. And so that ain't, we can't use that alone. The word of God is what we have to go by. And if you're told something by a being or a person and it don't align with the word of God, then obviously it's not of God. But my point is this. Oftentimes in Christianity, I, I see people apply things that you can't find biblically, but they apply it to be the truth. And while, you know, I'll give you an example. It, I, I heard somebody um, say that God is collecting everybody's tears. So when you get to heaven, you'll see how much he care for you because he even takes the time to store your tears when you cry. Okay. And biblically speaking, where do you find it at? Okay. So my point is you, you don't see that in the Bible. Now, while it may sound nice and... You know, as crazy as it may seem, okay, if, if he does do that, my point, though, is this. You can't teach on that. You can't tell other people that. You can't say that because there's no biblical proof for that. You can't go by if somebody died and said they went to heaven and that's what they saw. We, we can't do that. The reason why we can't do that is because, as I said, there are other religions, some that claim to be Christians, that this is the foundations of their doctrines based off of people saying an angel came to me and this is how our doctrine was founded. Joseph Smith of the Mormons, this is how their doctrine was founded in that way. And so they start teaching things that are not in the Bible. And so therefore you can't try and witness to them using stuff that's not in the Bible when they and tell them that what they believe is wrong because they're teaching things that's not in the Bible if you're doing the same thing. So the Bible is what we have to go by and that alone. So the Holy Spirit is a person. It's not a thing. 
in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And what I want to point to you out of that scripture is, it says grieve. So in other words, you can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can sadden the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit has feelings. It's not a thing. That's a person. John 14 and 26 says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whosoever I have said unto you, the Holy Spirit, in other words, when I'm getting it, can teach. So the Holy Spirit can teach you stuff, bring it to your remembrance. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. So once again, the Holy Spirit is not a thing. It's a being, a person. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is from John 16 and 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. There's another scripture in John. And this one, um, you really got to get this one as well. As I said, now that you have to understand that the Holy Spirit the understanding that the Holy Spirit is not a thing, but is a being of God. John 7 and 39 says, But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believeth on him should receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. What's my purpose for saying that the Holy Spirit is something that has to be given? You can't take it. And you can't earn it. It has to be given. That's why it's called the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's the gift that God gives us. Alright. So, I keep saying it is a being of God. And I want to kind of clarify that. Because that may be confusing to some. Um, now, the word Trinity. You all probably see it on churches. And you all probably hear people say it. That's not a word that you're going to find in the Bible, but when you look this word up um, in the dictionary or just in general knowledge, the word Trinity has tri in it, which means three. So it is a union of three. As you probably have heard and people reference to and uh, say, God has revealed himself unto us as God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what I want to point out to you um, to help you understand this a little bit better is that God has um, uses each one of those roles for a purpose. And if you understand that, uh, it can make a little bit more sense to you. All right. Um, the best example that I can use that I've heard for this that might help you out a little bit is Think about water. Water has different stages, but no matter which stage it is, it's still water. In its normal phase, it's water, it's liquid. But if it's frozen, it's ice. It's solid, but it's still water. When you heat it, it becomes steam, but it's still water. Now, each one is water, but each one serves a specific purpose. 
And depending on which form it's in, you know, that depends on the role or the purpose. So God, as God the Father, we see in the Bible that God has a role of creating everything. He's our creator, our provider. He's our protector. He's even our corrector at times. Um, as the Son, which is Jesus Christ, God is a living human being. The body of Jesus Christ allowed him to walk this earth legally. And what I mean by legally, um, on the first episode that I did, talking about God's chosen people, I kind of explained that a little bit, what I mean by what it means to be legal on this earth. So God gave himself a body. It also made it to where he could die because without being a human, you couldn't die. So as the son, God had was able to give himself a body to fulfill the role and purposes that Jesus fulfilled. As the spirit, the Holy Spirit, God operates in his power. The Holy Spirit is the power of God. The Holy Spirit is what does all of these uh, miracles that we read about. It's, it's that part of God that does that. Not only that, but it is the part of God that lives within all of us uh, that allows us to do what we need to do right now. And with power comes responsibility. So therefore, it is very important to understand this lesson on the Holy Spirit. It's one reason why I'm doing it. The church is not very, I'm not going to say very effective because church is effective. But what I'm getting at is the church could be even more effective if you have this understanding. Because it's like having a weapon and you don't use it. Properly because you don't understand it. Alright. But the church right now. This this didn't just happen with the church right now. Is what I'm getting at. This happened also with the disciples. During the time of Jesus. Walking the earth. Um, and what I mean by that is. There will be times you read in the Bible. Where Jesus would basically be like. Oh Lord. How long must I be with you guys? I've been teaching you week after week, day after day. And it's like, y'all still don't get it. Well, let's look at some examples. And, and I want to show you something. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, verse 7, the Bible says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. And so what I think is happening in the world today, people don't really seek wisdom. We watch YouTube videos. We listen to our favorite artists on certain things, this, that, and the other. And we just get a little bit or hear something that sounds good and we don't seek it out. We most definitely don't pray about it because there are some things that you hear and it may sound good to you. But if you pray about it, God will send you the truth and it will decipher all of the wrong things that you heard. But there are a lot of people going to go to hell. Uh, and be separated from God, not because what they heard was true, but because they lived a life based off of something that they heard and didn't do the due diligence of praying and trying to see if it was true. And so I like to put it this way. People know enough about God to think they're right, but they don't know enough to admit when they are wrong. 
And the disciples that followed and learned from Jesus, they didn't fully understand a lot of the things that he was teaching them. Although Jesus taught them, some things they didn't comprehend until the moment that they happened. And let's take a look in the book of Matthew chapter 21. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 23. Verse 21 reads, From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and scribes, and that he must be killed on the third day to be raised to life. Verse 22 says, Peter took him aside, referring to Jesus. He took Jesus to his side and began to rebuke him. So this is Peter. Jesus is telling Peter that he's going to be killed, but he's going to be raised up on the third day. And this is Peter taking Jesus off to the side and saying, far be it from you, Lord. In other words, that is going to be far from you. This won't happen to you as long as I'm around. I'm going to make sure that that don't happen. Verse 23 says, but Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You are a stumbling block to me for you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. So let's take a look at that real closely right now. As I said, you got Jesus telling them ahead of time what it is is going to happen to him. And then you've got Peter who tells him, in other words, Jesus, I've got your back. I'm not going to let these people kill you. I mean, you can get them thoughts far away from you. That's not going to happen. And notice, <laughs> Jesus turns to Peter. He doesn't even reply to Peter. He says, get behind me, Satan. That's very interesting. That's very interesting. Because Jesus replies to Satan and not Peter. Why is this? And this is um, something that we face oftentimes today. A lot of times, there are people who are doing things and saying things and you are reacting to the people and not what is really within the people. There, there were certain times I can think in, um, in our life when my wife and I, um, I noticed the behavior of my children may have been different and um, I may have been doing something and my wife is going back and forth with my children. And I remember one occasion I had to tell my wife, I said, hey, do you not notice that that behavior you were seeing is not normal? And so it was during this time that I had to show her, I explained to her, there are some things you have to deal with in the natural and then there are some things you have to deal with in the spiritual realm. And if you do the opposite of the two, you never get the thing taken care of. So in other words, if you're trying to discipline a, a spiritual problem in a natural way, it's nothing that's not going to work and vice versa. So uh, to make a long story short, um, we ended up praying and God revealed to us what the uh, actual issue was. The Lord instantly told me to go search uh my child's room and in my child's room there was a gift that my child had received from a friend that lived by us at the time and it was a demonic toy at the time so instantly obviously i got rid of it and explained to my child what was demonic about it uh, but 
to make a long story short, my point is, let's just say my wife would have continued arguing with my child about whatever, you know, had happened at that moment. Or let's just say even got to the point to where my child would have gotten, you know, disciplined by getting the belt and, you know, depending on your method of correction. Some people may not believe it, but I'm just saying, what if it got to the point? My point is the belt would not have fixed that issue because later on that day or tomorrow, uh, that spirit would have still been there. And as I said, um, on another lesson, we'll get into dealing with the demons and angels, and I can explain to you how that works. But um, I don't want to get too far off the topic and go way, way, way past time. I'm almost at 30 minutes already, and I hadn't scratched the surface on this. All right, but notice that Jesus um, looks past Peter and speaks directly to Satan. And one of the reasons why Jesus does this is because Peter is telling him that I'm going to keep you from dying. And this goes to like what I said a few minutes ago. Peter lacked the understanding. It was important that Jesus died. This It was for this purpose that he came in a human body and and. Um, he preached and he taught, he did all those things and those things needed to happen because if the, if he didn't do that, they wouldn't have been equipped to spread the gospel and we wouldn't, you know, know about, um, the plan of the Lord to this day. But aside from all of that, he needed to die. And so Peter didn't understand that if Jesus not died, it, there'd be no hope for him either. And so that was, uh, the devil speaking. All right. So Jesus had to fulfill his role. He needed to die to atone for the sins of man. But to go with his lesson, you got to understand Jesus also needed to die so that the Holy Spirit could come and fulfill his role. As I said earlier, God fulfilled his role as the creator, you know, and the provider and the corrector. Jesus had to fulfill his role by coming and teaching by coming to be born, and most of all, by taking on the sins of this world and dying. Well, the Holy Spirit had a role to play and still has a role to play. The role of the Holy Spirit only could come after um, Jesus fulfilled his role. So as long as Jesus walked this earth, the Holy Spirit could not fulfill his role. And you have to understand, Jesus, no human being more effective in this earth um, than Jesus Christ. But as a human being, Jesus Christ could only go one place at a time. Jesus could only be at one place at a time. The Holy Spirit can be everywhere at once. As Christians today, we all can have the Holy Spirit. We all can have the power that the Holy Spirit gives. So Jesus needed to leave so that the Holy Spirit could fulfill his role. That's why Jesus said greater works us as Christians will do than him. Because Jesus is one person, he can only be at one place at a time. But the us with the Holy Spirit can be all over the world and do all sorts of things. So God sent the Holy Spirit uh, to us. Alright, uh, so God sent him and he tells his people um, what God says. God gives him the spirit fully. That's what John 3 and uh, 
34 says, it says, God sent him, referring to the Holy Spirit. And he tells people what God says. God gives him the Spirit fully. All right. So God in the body of Jesus could only um, physically be at one place at a time, as I said. And God is the Holy Spirit can be everywhere at once. And so, uh, you know, this is a, a funny way of saying it and thinking of it. But us as Christians have kind of become so stuck on the role of Jesus that we have not taken the time to study and understand the role of the Holy Spirit. And the thing about that is Jesus has already fulfilled his role. We're living in the time of the role of the Holy Spirit. And so if we stay stuck on what it was Jesus has done and we don't understand the role of the Holy Spirit, then we can't use the Holy Spirit effectively right now. And that's what we need. And so if you don't understand this, you'll limit what God is trying to do for you and what God is trying to do um, through you. So let's talk about this promise uh, of the Holy Spirit that God gave. And to do this, we got to go to the book of Acts. And many of you are familiar with this. The problem is, I don't think you have really paid attention to uh, what the Bible has to say about this. Because a lot of times it's just being taught. And so people aren't really reading it. In the book of Acts, and I, I want to read this because, as I said, it's not about what I have to say. It's not about what you have to say. It's not about what your favorite pastor has to say. We got to go by the word of God. So in the book of Acts, starting with chapter 4, I'm going to read verse 4 through 26. And remember... Uh, Depending on what you're doing right now, when you get time, you need to read this stuff for yourself. The Bible says you have to study to show yourself approved. You're not going to get before God and say, well, I was taught the wrong thing. you you got to take responsibility for your own soul salvation. Chapter 1, verses 4 through 26, it says, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the father has put in his own authority but verse 8 says but you shall have received power when the holy spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in jerusalem and in judea and samaria and to the ends of the earth now when he had spoken these things while they watched he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight notice what happened he says and while they looked steadily towards heaven as he went up behold two men stood by them in white apparel so these two men they were angels the disciples have witnessed jesus go up into heaven they're standing up there with their heads up so use your imagination they're standing there watching him go up into the clouds and they're just standing there looking jesus has gone and left and if you pay attention if you listen to what i just told you earlier 
He has just told them, I need you to go back and wait for the Holy Spirit to come. I done told y'all everything that's about to happen. And so then Jesus goes up into the clouds and they're just standing there looking up at him. So two angels appear in white apparel. Verse 11 says, who also said men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing up here gazing into the heavens? The same Jesus who you saw that was taken up from you into heaven will also come back in the same like manner in which you saw him go to heaven. So in other words, just like I said about being kind of stuck on Jesus, this is kind of a picture that they were kind of stuck right there looking at up there at Jesus leave that they didn't obey what he said, which was to go and wait for the Holy Spirit. And that's kind of like the church today. We've kind of gotten so stuck on what Jesus has done that we don't know enough about the Holy Spirit. But what we've been taught, we haven't studied a lot um, to understand the Holy Spirit. So then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphelius, and Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. They all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of names was about a hundred and twenty and said, Men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his entrails gushed out. And it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem so that the field is called in their own language a Dama, that is, field of blood. What is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it and let another take his office. Therefore, these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. All right, I'm in verse... Um, 22. So actually, uh, I'm going to stop right there because the point I was trying to make was to show you guys that uh, to visualize just like they did Jesus going up and being kind of stuck right there when he told them to go and wait for the Holy Spirit. And so the angels had to come and tell them the same thing. What I want to do now is skip over to Acts chapter 2 where we actually get into the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so this is uh, the important part, rather, I guess I should say. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In other words, that is saying 
as the Spirit gave them what to say. And they were dwelling in the in uh, Jerusalem, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from where every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused, because everyone heard them speak in what his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, uh, Paphilia, Egypt, and parts of Libya. And so it just goes on to name all these different places, Arabs and everything. And it just goes on to say that each person heard them speaking in their own tongues and they began to acknowledge the wonderful works of God. So it even goes on to say, starting at verse 12, so they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others, mocking, said, they are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour my spirit out among all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my man servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the awesome and great day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so. Um, the point in this chapter that I want to point out is this I've heard this lesson in Acts chapter 2 taught and preached many times in several different ways and the thing that I want to point out in this is number one uh, I've often heard people say these people spoke in unknown tongues and um, that's not necessarily what the scripture says because as we just as I just read it, if you listen, it tells you the languages that these people began to speak. It was unknown to certain people. But what God did was when the spirit came upon these people, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, he made sure that everyone there heard the gospel in their own language so that they could be saved so that they could respond they learned about the truth and the fullness of jesus christ so this was not a mystery language this was not an angelic language that was being spoken this was uh, languages of each individual that was there the bible just began to speak of all of those different languages i don't want to go back through them but this takes you back to the Tower of Babel where God first confounded the languages 
That's where people were divided because of the evil that was taking place. And I don't want to get into why that was being built. I don't want to get into that. But my point is this. Right here, you see people were being united by the language. So one thing I want to point out is this. The church now, especially today, has started to refer to the Holy Spirit as speaking in tongues. And so what I want to point out is speaking in tongues is a thing. Remember, the Holy Spirit is a being. Speaking in tongues is a thing. So in other words, what happened that day on the day of Pentecost was the Holy Spirit came in and accomplished a goal, which was to save people, which was to spread the gospel. And the way that it did it was by using the gift of tongues. So in other words, um, how were they able to speak in tongues? By the power of the Holy Ghost. But the speaking in tongues itself was something that they did. They happened. The speaking in tongues itself is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a being. So in other words, what I'm trying to explain to you so you can get a better understanding. When you see these people afterwards, when they receive the Holy Spirit of God, they can then speak in other tongues. They can raise the dead, which is another gift um, of the Holy Spirit. It's another gift. Um, they can prophesy, which is another gift of the Holy Spirit. So my point is, all of these things are the Holy Spirit, but the prophecy itself is not the Holy Spirit. The raising of the dead, the healing itself is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a being. And all of those things that are happening are the acts of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit shows up, the Holy Spirit will do whatever needs to be done. So if it's at that moment, healing is what's needed, that's what the Holy Spirit will do. If it's deliverance that's needed, that's what the Holy Spirit will do. If it's the speaking in tongues that's needed, that's what the Holy Spirit will do. But we've gotten to the point of uh, of making the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. And so that's something that I want to make sure that we understand. Uh, that the Holy Spirit is a being. And so, as I said, to refresh you, the Holy Spirit is the power of God. It's what God does to get things done. If you read in your Bible, the book of Genesis, the Bible talks about, uh, let's see, I'll just turn to it and read it for the exact word. In the book of Genesis, uh, the Bible, uh, in the very first part of the Bible, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And it says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So the Spirit of God um, is just, it's, it's there. And also, um, this was something that I meant to point out in the prayer lesson um, episode that I did. If you notice how the Spirit of God was hovering over the earth. 
in the next verse, you see in verse three, it says, then God said, let there be light. And then there was light. So in other words, the spirit of God is there. And then God, the words of God speaks and says, let there be light. And so the spirit then makes light. And I talked about in prayer how the spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, it what is what performs God's word. So when we pray, we should be praying God's word so the Holy Spirit can perform it. But it only acts off of God's word. So you see right here, the Holy Spirit was hovering over the earth. But what was it doing? Waiting for God's word to be spoken. It wasn't until God said, let there be light, that the light was formed. And so um, my point for saying that to you is if you understand what the Holy Spirit is, the Holy Spirit is there every day living within us. For those of us who have accepted Jesus Christ and we have the gift of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost is the power. We can make stuff happen, but we have to speak the word of God to make the Holy Spirit perform it. So let's clear a couple of rumors. Uh, after you read Acts chapter 2, you'll begin to see, as I said, this was not an unknown language that was spoken. These, This was not a mysterious angelic language that was spoken. They were not drunk. Um, another thing that I want to point out is you notice that Peter speaks about this is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel. Uh, I often hear people preach this all the time and they say, we're getting ready to see that prophecy from Joel come to place. So if that is the case, then you're saying Peter lied in Acts chapter 2 because Peter said that was the fulfillment of that. So, I, you know, that's not to say God is not going to do another move of God and all that stuff. Of course, I believe that and I don't want to get into all that stuff. But my point is, we got to start reading the Bible. We have to start going about what the Bible says. We can't just be babbling off and saying stuff. This is how, um, this is what gives credibility to all of the other false doctrines. And, um, you know, things like that. When we start saying and doing stuff that don't line up with the Bible. Okay. Uh, so, um. Uh, as I said, speaking in tongues is a thing. That is something that you do when you speak in tongues. The Holy Ghost is a person of God. It's not a thing. So the next thing, now that you have that understanding, let's talk about the Holy Spirit being a gift. In Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 38, it says, Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his words were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Verse 43 says, um, Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they sold their possessions, their goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. 
So continually and daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of the heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So the Spirit of God moved um, so much that people didn't care about what they had. Everybody put their stuff together and nobody was greedy. Whenever somebody needed something, they got it. Um, honestly, people, it's going to get back to that point real soon. It's going to happen real soon. Um, as we start to see the world get more wicked, as we see these laws change, you are going to have to depend on your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. They're going to have to depend on you. And in order to make it, um, a lot of families going to have to come together. All right, so I want to show you something because being um, in certain beliefs for so long, it may be hard to start to um, see things the other way. So I want to show you a couple of things to show you that the Holy Spirit is not just about speaking in tongues. Now, obviously, because I don't want anybody to leave off of this saying that I don't believe in speaking in tongues. That's not what I said. I said it's not just about that. Speaking in tongues is a thing. And... Uh, the Holy Spirit is not a thing and you can't just make the Holy Spirit about speaking in tongues when you do that you're limiting what it is that God is needing um, to happen there are so many things that the church um, should be doing and is going to need to do in these last days and if uh, you don't have a proper understanding of the Holy Spirit you're going to limit what the Holy Spirit can do in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 11 through 13. It says, uh, I say then, they have stumbled that they should fall, certainly not. But through their fall to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now, if their fall is riches... For the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more for their fullness? For I speak to you Gentiles, and as much as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. Okay, so uh, for one thing, uh, what I just read, I want you to understand that because I've heard people say also that. The Bible, Christianity, is not for black people, not for this people, not for that people. Jesus died for all, and uh, it's for everybody. Jews, Gentiles alike. Um, the next thing that I want to point out in Romans chapter 8, verses 11 through 13, the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. If the Holy Spirit lives in you, he will give life to your bodies in the same way. So the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. In other words, the power of God. That's what the Holy Spirit is. It's the power of God. It raised Jesus from the dead. And it says the same Holy Spirit lives in you. Verse 12 says, So then, Christian brothers, we are not to do what our sinful old selves want us to do. If we do what our sinful old selves want us to do, you will die in sin. But if... 
through the power of the Holy Spirit, you destroy those actions to which the body can be led, you will have life. So in that um, passage, you can see that the Holy Spirit is also power. People are raised from the dead, including our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, by what? The Holy Spirit. Not by speaking in tongues, but by the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, make sure um, you don't limit the Holy Spirit by making it one thing. Okay? The Holy Spirit will do whatever is necessary to complete God's work, to complete God's mission. And, um, you know, honestly, there are far more scriptures uh, that I then I have time to share to show you that um, another one in the book of Acts chapter 13 um, verses 2 through 12 they read as they ministered to the Lord and fasted the Holy Spirit said now separate me uh, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them so the Holy Spirit is saying that he want Barnabas and Saul um, separated for the work he's called them and notice it's saying the Holy Spirit not the speaking in tongues <laughs> the Holy Spirit then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them they sent them away so being sent out by the Holy Spirit they went down to uh, Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus and when they arrived in Salmias they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. And now when they had gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the princeul Cyrus Paulus, an intelligent man, the man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elamus the sorcerer, for his name is translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the pro-council away from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Spirit, looked intensely at him and said, O oh, full of all deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, you would not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord. And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you and shall be you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And then immediately a dark mist fell on him and he went around seeking someone to lead him by hand. So what am I getting at? The Holy Spirit allowed Paul to see um, the evil intent and the devilishness in this man. So once again, the Holy Spirit will be what you need. And at that time, the Holy Spirit was discernment for Paul. So. The Holy Spirit can guide you. The Holy Spirit uh, can do healing, deliverance, speaking in tongues, and prophecy. And the last point that I'm going to make in this, just to show you what I'm talking about, you can find that in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14. And this is Paul uh, speaking to the church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul says, uh, Pursue love and desire special uh, spiritual gifts. And before I read this, I want to point something out real quick. I think oftentimes people want to prove uh, how saved they are or the fact that they are saved or that they're close to God. So this is why a lot of times we see people um, 
you know, trying to speak in tongues in front of people or they trying to do certain things to make them seem holy. And oftentimes those who aren't saved look for these type of gestures. We look for signs and wonders to associate that with um, somebody being saved. You have to be careful of this. And the Bible tells you this. I know a lot of times people will come to me and I've had people to say this several times. Give me a word from God. And sometimes I'll say, read your Bible. People don't like that. They'd rather me tell them something than for them to read their Bible. And that's dangerous. The reason why that's dangerous is because you don't know. Everybody is not of God. Some people are wicked. And you can't be just looking for men to tell you something. How do you know if what they're telling you is from God if you don't read the Bible for yourself? You can't just look for a sign and a wonder. If you remember the story of Moses, when they approached Pharaoh, they threw down the staff and it turned into a snake. Pharaoh then told his sorcerers to throw down um, the, the wooden stick that they had. And guess what? It turned into a snake. So my point is this. You can't look for a sign and a wonder because the devil also uh, has um, a limit amount of power. And so it will fool you if you're not aligning stuff up with the word of God. I've been in churches where people will pass out and fall out and will be shaking. And sometimes I see babbling. Sometimes I see foaming at the mouth. And people are standing there saying, yeah, praise him, praise him. And I'm saying, Lord, your spirit is discerning and showing me these people have a demon in them. They're manifesting demons and people are so blind that they're standing over there saying, praise God, because they're looking for a sign and a wonder. They're looking at somebody that is jumping and they falling. And I'm not saying every case, um, this is the case of what's happening, but I'm saying you can't just look for a sign and a wonder that makes it easy for you to be deceived. But let's read what Paul had to say in the in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Paul says, pursue love. And desire spiritual gifts. So he wants you to desire spiritual gifts. But he says, especially that you may what? Prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. And I like verse 5. Paul says, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues. So let's, let's point something out real quick. If you're going to say speaking in tongues itself is the Holy Ghost, that means Paul is saying in verse 5 that I wish that you all speak with tongues even more than you receive the Spirit of God. Of course, that's not what Paul would be saying because every believer needs the Spirit of God. But what Paul is, is speaking about is the act of speaking in tongues. That's a thing. So Paul is saying, what was happening is these people, everybody was told about what happened in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit fell and people began to speak in other tongues. But what happened is they did not take the time to understand why God, the Holy Spirit, moved in that way, why that is what was needed during that time. What was needed for that particular moment, there was a variety of different people. 
different people did not speak the same language then. So in order to reach those people, that was what was needed. And you'll see in other verses where somebody may have been dead. And you'll see in other verses where somebody may have been um, sick or blind. Whatever was needed at the moment, that's what the Holy Spirit did. But one of the things that Paul is going to point out in this particular. Okay, guys. Uh, this is part two of the Holy Ghost. Who or what is it? Um as I knew what was going to happen, um, it ran pretty long on part one. And so I'm going to jump right in and finish where I left off at in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 through 33. It's covering what Paul was speaking about. Uh, Paul is saying that people should speak in tongues, but he says, matter of fact, we'll just read what Paul had to say. Paul says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. So this is something that I've seen happen in several churches before. Everyone in the church will supposedly be speaking in tongues. Um, and you have people who are unbelievers in the church and they're wondering what's going on and these people will eventually leave after service and won't come back because they don't know what was going on um in fact it's, it just seemed completely strange and oftentimes i don't really blame them because what was happening did not edify those um who came to hear the word of god um so we have to be wise with doing this. And this was something that Paul is speaking about right here, because what happened was the church began to become so obsessed with what took place in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost that they didn't look at what it was that God was really doing. They focused more on the act that happened. They didn't look at why did God choose speaking in tongues on that particular day as his method for revealing himself. They just looked at the fact that speaking in tongues was the method that was used. And so what started happening was every time the church got together, they started trying to recreate the same thing. And so those who needed to hear the gospel and understand it, they were not being reached. Uh, and so Paul had to explain something to them. And he was saying that, uh, you know, but he who prophesies, they speak edification and they exhort and comfort men. He who speaks in tongues, they only edify himself. But he who prophesies, they edify the whole church. He says, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So that is something else that happens. People often speak in tongues. They don't even worry about a um interpretation it's just become one of those things that is a free for all and so in verse 6 it says but now brother if i come to you speaking with tongues what shall i profit you unless i speak to you either by revelation by knowledge by prophesying or by teaching even things without life he gives an example 
if it's a flute or a harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinctive sound, how will you know what is being played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? During those days when it was time for battle, they would sound a trumpet. And so Paul is saying if the trumpet didn't make the sound that sounds like a trumpet, how would anybody know it was time for battle? And so he's saying the same thing with his, what was happening with this whole method of speaking tongues. So he said, so likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are... It may be so many kinds of languages in the world and none of them without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks it and a, and he who speaks it a foreigner to me. Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. So in other words, Okay, you may be hungry for spiritual gifts. If you're going to be hungry for spiritual gifts, let it be for a gift that is going to to excel the church, bring the church forward, edify the church. So therefore, in other words, if you are going to speak in tongues, and if you are going to do that even in the prayer time that you have, if God does that for you, verse 13, therefore let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit and I will also pray with the understanding. Okay, so that is important to make sure that we understand that. Um, in verse 19, Paul says, yet in church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babies, but in understanding be mature. Okay. Uh, and, and I'm going to read um, a couple more verses in this because I want you to see. It says in verse 22, Therefore, tongues are for a sign. Notice what it says. Tongues are for a sign. Not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. So what God was doing that day was to reach unbelievers. And the reason we know those people were unbelievers because he told you what, after they received that message, those folks repented and then they got saved. It told you that many were added to the church that day. So that was a sign for the unbelievers, not for the believers, but for the unbelievers that day. They were needed to be reached. And how can they be reached if they didn't understand what was being told? All right. It says, but prophesying, prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all. And he is convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so he'll fall down on his face, and he'll begin to worship God. And in, um, in other words, what Paul is trying to say is, when you ask and listen to the Holy Spirit to be moved in the situation and stop trying to do things on your own, then the Holy Spirit will reveal to you what to do, what's needed for that moment. 
And that is what will move the person. God can start to tell you and show you stuff about people. And then they can be like, okay, there has to be a God. Because I never told anybody that about me. And then they can repent and fall on their face. But if you just walking around speaking in tongues, nothing is happening. Um, and I, I, I'm going to throw this out too. Because I, once again, in the um, episode one of this list, and I talked about how we do things that aren't biblical. You know, I've seen people trying to get people to speak in tongues and oftentimes they'll tell them, hey, it's a language. It's like you. It's like a baby. You got to develop it. You got to work it. You got to train it. You know, you got to practice it and it started to become fluent. You can't find it in the Bible anywhere. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that you got to pump it and prime it and it's, it's going to eventually come out better. And nowhere in the Bible do you find where... Um, they say you have to practice it, but what you find is the Bible says the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke, um, in other tongues, the spirit gave them utterance. It gave them what to say. So it was a gift. It came upon them. They didn't have to help it. They didn't have to do all of that stuff. And so oftentimes, you know, this may be harsh for people to hear, but oftentimes there's several times where people are doing this on their own. And I've even seen it in church where, you know, a lot of times, and, and this has happened to some of you, you know, people have made you speak in tongues and you felt like it was you doing it. And afterwards you leave and you keep doing the same thing and you wonder like, why didn't it work? Well, because it probably was you that was doing it. And I have to be honest, um, as I've gotten better over the years and I've understood and God has given me better understanding. Um, when I pray, there are times that the Lord does um, have me to speak in tongues. But as the scripture said, when that happens, I um, if you listen to the prayer lesson, after I finish praying, I sit and meditate. And so when that does happen, the Lord does give me an interpretation. But also with doing that, I don't have to help it. It comes on its own. So if I'm regularly praying and it don't come, I don't do it. I can tell you other times, even in deliverance, when I pray for people that had demonic spirits in them and those spirits come out, um, nine times out of ten, I never spoke in tongues when doing that. I spoke directly um, in the language that I speak to make those demons come out. And so um, I'm not saying, once again, that I don't believe in speaking in tongues, but I want to make sure that people have a clear understanding of what that consists of and what that means. And this is why the power of the church is being limited today, because we have not really took the time to understand this and what has happened. Uh, in verse 26, Paul says, How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you have a song, and has a teaching and a tongue and have a revelation. You have an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Okay. Uh, so that's important. Everything at the end of the day is important. And, and I want to read this real quick in chapter in uh, verse 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in the church of the saints. It's important that we understand that God is not the author of confusion. He wants all of us to understand these things and um, he wants us to um, 
to be fruitful in what we're doing. So let me tell you, as I've stated before, uh, the things that I know right now, I didn't always know them. Starting out, I had to just go by what I was taught. But I had to be honest with myself when I was not getting certain results. And I had to go before God in that. I'm like, God, I'm doing everything I was shown to do. Um, something's not right. Either um, what I've been told is just not real. Either you're just not real because I'm not seeing certain results. Or uh, or something's wrong because I'm doing it the exact way. So I said, okay, God, I'm going to give you one last chance. But before I can say you're not real, I've got to go back and start to read this stuff for myself and pray for myself. And I started to do that. And it is at that point that God uh, began to show me that a lot of what I was doing was just what I was taught. And that doesn't mean people was teaching you the wrong thing on purpose. They're teaching you what they was taught. And in order to break that cycle, you've got to start reading on your own. You've got to start praying on your own. And I can tell you, all the miracles and all the signs and the um, the manifestations of God speaking to me, that stuff never started happening until I started to read the Bible on my own and started praying on my own. Because I used to wonder the same thing. All these stories we hear about in the Bible, God revealing himself and people being able to cast out demons and all of that stuff. Did that stuff don't happen no more? Uh, but... God had to start giving me that revelation as I began to um, read and understand on my own. I mean, not on my own, but I mean, started to not just go by what I was being taught. Um, so, you know, from what we've been told on the last lesson, what you've been told and what I've just said, you should have a little bit better understanding of the Holy Spirit. So now I want to talk about a little bit more about how you can receive the Holy Spirit. Matthew 7 and 11, um, it says, if, if, if you then, though are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So God wants to give you the Holy Spirit. But as I said, make sure you understand that the Holy Spirit is power. And so with power comes responsibility. And so you've got to understand how the Holy Spirit works um, so that you can use the Holy Spirit properly. Matthew 7 and 7 also, um, it reads, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. I want to read in um, from the book of Acts chapter 2 and 38. And I've already read this before. Uh, but I want you to make sure you understand that Peter said, repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I think oftentimes when understanding this, when you fully understand it, people don't want it like this because it just seems like it's too easy. It's too plain. You know what you thought and what you was taught at first seems a little bit more mir miraculous, but. Um, it's not that difficult. God has really made it pretty pretty plain. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the uh, forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. To receive the Holy Spirit, as the Bible says, you must repent of your sins and be baptized. And you will, you know, after you confess of your sins and you turn away from those sins and you dedicate your life to following God, you receive God's uh, Spirit. That's the only way you can 
live this life out doing what God wants you to do. It's with God's spirit. And I want to tell you a true story. Um, this happened with uh, somebody that I was working with. Um, and this will give you a better understanding. Because I've said a lot of stuff about how to receive the Holy Ghost and um, just a lot of things right now. But I want to try to put it in the understanding of real life. And maybe you can get a better understanding. I worked with two guys. And I'm not going to use their real names. We'll just call them Bob and Terry. Um, Terry and I, at the at the time, we attended the same church. And so Terry used to spend almost every day trying to convince Bob that he needed to get baptized. And um, after church service one day, I was walking to the car on my way out. And I spotted both of them. Come to find out, Terry had finally gotten Bob to go through with it. They was getting ready to take them to go get baptized. So the next day at work, I saw Bob. Bob came over and spoke to me as I was getting ready to come into work. Um, during this time, Bob was getting ready to go on his break. He used to go outside and smoke on a regular time. So during his normal routine, Bob spoke to me and went on outside to go take his smoke. On his way back in, he said, man, well, it didn't work. And I'm like, uh, what didn't work? I got baptized yesterday and it, it showed didn't change me. He said, I still don't believe in Jesus. I still don't fully believe that the Bible is real. I mean, I, I don't, I, it's nothing wrong with it. It may help you out in your life, but I, I really don't believe it. I said, wait a minute. You mean to tell me that they took you to be baptized yesterday and no one had the audacity to ask you if you repent of your sins? They didn't ask you if you believe in Jesus Christ. They didn't ask you if you are making... Jesus Christ, your new Lord and your new Savior. And they baptized you. You know, I was in shock. I, I really was. And so I, I just want to point something out to you. Think of it in the way of a wedding. Imagine somebody who wants a wedding gift. Right. You want a wedding gift. And so to get the gift, you decide to go through with the wedding, even though you don't plan on keeping the commitment or the vows. But you just want to go through with the wedding just to get the gift. God wants to give us the gift of his spirit because you're going to need his spirit in order to do certain things in order to be able to help people be healed, in order to help people be delivered, in order to prophesy, in order to be able to um, just withstand from the temptations and the evil that's going to be before you, you're going to need God's spirit. And so oftentimes I even tell my kids, your strength is not always in what you can do. Your strength is greater in what you don't do sometimes. It's easy to go off on people. It's easy to curse. It takes a lot of strength to walk away from certain things. But it takes God's spirit. And so um, remember the Holy Spirit is power. And so when you think about a marriage, as I said, you can't get the gift um, until the wedding is over. And so what that guy was trying to do was he basically wanted the gift. So he went through with the wedding. And your vows are kind of like, you know, you repenting of your sins. You confess in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The wedding is the baptism and the gift is um, the Holy Spirit. And so Bob, basically, he wanted 
the gift of the Holy Spirit by having a fake wedding. And it doesn't work like that. And, you know, it's shame on all of those people that was involved with baptizing him, including the other co-worker, because it doesn't work that way. You have to first be willing um, to confess. You got to confess your sins. You have to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, that Jesus Christ at that point is going to be your Lord and Savior. Upon making those vows, then you have the wedding, which is the baptism. After the baptism, God gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit. You can't get the gift without the confession. Now, let me say this because this was uh, a discussion not too long ago about, you know, do someone have to get baptized and, and, you know, if you don't get baptized, can you go to heaven without being baptized? Let me first, I, I don't want to go too far in this because I'm actually at the end of this lesson and prayerfully you have a better understanding of the Holy Spirit. Let me say this. Uh, the Bible says that all of our righteousness are as a filthy rag. So what that means is no matter how much good I do, it doesn't replace the bad I did. I still did bad and there's no erasing it. So you can murder somebody and guess what? You do good the rest of your life. You still murdered somebody. It doesn't take but for you to lie one time. And guess what? You're a liar. If you killed one person, it makes you a murderer. So no matter how much good you do, it doesn't replace the bad. And so all of us in that sense are doomed for hell. That's why Jesus had to die for us, took the penalty for us. You understand that Jesus had to do that. So nobody's righteous enough for heaven. So in that same sense, there will be some people for whatever the reason may be. They may be, you know, I don't know, on a deathbed, physical conditions. They can't be baptized or whatever the case may be. God knows their hearts and their situations. But just like how Jesus died for our sins so we can go to heaven, Jesus was also baptized. Jesus was without sin, so he didn't have to be baptized and he didn't have to die. But the purpose for him doing it was for those that are going to be those who are not, for whatever reason, going to have those things done. Just like he's dying for our sins, um, he was also baptized for some people, you know. And so... Uh, I just wanted to throw that out there, but I also want to throw this out there. Anybody that is um, going to repent of their sins, anybody that is um, taking Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior, and you are willing and able to, you should most definitely be baptized. You have no reason not to be if you can be. Okay. And so uh, I'm actually at the end of this. Um, this won't go an hour but it is almost at 30 minutes but this is um the ending of part two on the holy spirit or the holy ghost who or what is it i pray that you got a better understanding out of that and after all of these lessons i encourage you to pray make sure that the lord uh is giving you the best insight on this don't just take what i'm saying um also, feel free to share any of these messages with 
anybody you know, I'm going to continue doing them as long as God allows me to. But as I said, the Lord has already told me the time is coming where this stuff is going to come to an end. That's the whole reason why I started doing this, why God told me and out of obedience, I'm doing it so that people can get as much understanding as they can right now because the time is coming soon where your Bibles will not be, um, you won't be able to read them in the open freely. You won't be able to uh, believe the way that we believe in the open publicly. It's going to be a threat and that may sound strange and it may sound like something off of a movie, but I'm telling you that time is coming. So until the next episode, be blessed. Um, I pray that you and your families are safe and thank you for listening. Continue to uh, spread the gospel and if I don't see you here or there, I'll see you in the air.